crouching run made my way to the dip twenty meters away at the entrance. I glanced up to see Gorlia scrambling up into one of the trees behind Paula to act as lookout. As he drew one of the new individual camnets over himself, he disappeared. I pointed my pocket scope up at him. Even his heat signature was pretty near neutral. Expensive, but impressive. Now we waited out ten minutes to let the wildlife settle back down. Contact? That one word hissed in my earpiece told me Corleus had spotted them. We tapped this location by forced march, an old Roman tradition, so we could surprise them. And there they were, walking single file, sweeping their route with their eyes and weapons, watchful but not wary. Too professional to make any unnecessary noise, they were nevertheless a little over-relaxed. Their commander sent two ahead to check. Now they concentrated, their weapons raised and arms and legs tensed. Just before they reached the edge of the depression, one turned back to the commander and shook his head. Livius dropped the two of them in rapid succession. Alia and Pelu launched at the main group from the far point and downed another three between them. Paula slammed the radio operator to earth, pinioning his flailing arms and legs. Gorlius fell on two others. I tripped the last one as he tried to escape and jammed my weapon in his throat as he attempted to struggle up. I didn't need to look at my watch to know we'd done it in under two minutes. Hmm. Slowing up. We secured and tagged them. While Livius and Palo swept the back area for a possible second patrol, Paula scanned their radio with an electronic logger. Can't see any transmission within the past ten, she said, looking up. But I think they check in every thirty. She spoke in fast street Latin, in case any of these clever boys turned out to be linguists. I turned to their officer, Lieutenant Wilson, from his jacket tab. Now, Lieutenant, I hope we're not going to go formal here. I just need you to confirm the time of your next radio check. Not a chance in hell. His eyes half closed, and he snorted. I sighed and signaled Alia forward. From her sleeve pocket, she extracted a slim tin containing two syringes and an ampule, knelt down by the officer, prepared a needle, and waited for my confirmation. Wilson drew back. What the fuck is that? A fast acting relaxant that'll have you chirruping like a mongoose on holiday. No permanent effect. You may be a little disorientated for 10 to 15 minutes afterward. We need to move on now, so I can't wait for you to have a mother's meeting about whether to tell me. I nodded, and Alia pulled his sleeve up, jabbed the skin, and depressed the tiny plunger. I counted to 20 before I stood over him and asked again. Time of next radio check? Get! No! Not! Sweat broke out on his face with the effort of defying the chemical. Twenty, no. Twenty-two, no. He dropped his head, as if humiliated, but it wasn't his fault. We now had a generous margin before any alarm was given. Paula threw the opposition's radio batteries into the woods. Alia checked out the other captives, but they only had hurt pride and a few bruises. We looped a line through their cable-tied hands, securing it to a tree 
and left with mildly obscene curses and promises of revenge behind us. Setting off north at a fast march, we circled around after five minutes to parallel the trail for the exercise headquarters. We'd finished our tasks half a day early. Now we'd eliminated our closest rivals, I figured we'd be the first team back. After three days out in the field, we were looking forward to hot food and a chance to clean up properly. Allie had jogged beside me, and I could see a question ready to burst out. She was very young, around 20, and this was her first time on an overseas exercise. I checked the proximity sensor. No biosignatures, apart from ours, for at least three kilometers. What is it, Alia? I whispered. It's okay. Just keep your voice down, though. Why are they all men, Mom? I mean, I saw...